When I was a child, one of my favorite days of the year, the day I looked forward to with more anticipation than almost any other, almost more than Christmas, was the opening day of deer season. I started hunting with my dad when I was about seven or eight years old. And most Saturdays and some weekdays during the months of October and November, you would find me in a deer stand. And I loved deer hunting with my dad as a child. But it wasn't easy. We had to wake up early. You had to get into your stand quietly before the sun even came up. And then you had to wait. You just sat there in the cold for the next three to four hours, waiting and watching. And most days, that's honestly all it was. It was rare that we actually killed a deer. Most days we would go home after those three to four hours with nothing to show. And for a lot of people, I think this probably seems a ridiculous and very inefficient waste of time. But you know, when I look back on it now, I realize that all of those hours spent watching, waiting, shivering, they were all teaching me something very important. They were teaching me the virtue of patience. And patience is, patience is very curious. It wasn't really considered a virtue by the Greeks or the Romans, and it's not really considered that much of a virtue even in our own day. After all, we live in a very busy, very hurried world. As one pastor recently put it, what do people normally answer when you ask the customary, how are you? Oh good, they say, just busy. Pay attention and you'll find this answer everywhere. College students are busy. Young parents are busy. Empty nesters living on a golf course are busy. CEOs are busy. So are baristas and part-time nannies. We are all busy. He's right. We are all busy. And because we're all busy, patience has become rare and rather uncelebrated as a virtue among us these days. But patience is very important. In Galatians 5, verse 23, Paul lists patience as one of the marks of Christ's likeness. And about a century after Paul wrote the book of Galatians, the church father Irenaeus, he went even further. Not only is patience a fruit of the Spirit, according to Irenaeus, but the lack of patience, impatience, he said, is actually the original sin. Now, maybe that sounds strange to you. Maybe you've heard before that it was pride or distrust that caused Adam and Eve to sin, but impatience? And yet, Irenaeus, he has good reason for saying what he did. After all, what was it that made Adam and Eve want to eat that fruit? Do you remember what the serpent said? He said that if they ate the fruit, they would become like God. But as Irenaeus pointed out, this was something that was already true. The man and woman were created in the image of God. And over time, according to Irenaeus, they were meant to grow more and more into the likeness of God. So it wasn't just pride that the serpent appealed to in his speech to Adam and Eve. It was impatience. Instead of waiting, instead of developing as creatures over time, they could just seize the fruit, take the fate, their fate into their own hands, make themselves like God instantaneously. What Adam and Eve wanted 
That wasn't the problem. The problem was that they refused to be what they were made to be. They refused to be creatures who develop over time. They wanted to be divine, and they wanted it now. They refused to receive their existence and their growth as a gift. They wanted to take control. It's not difficult to spot parallels between the impatience that Irenaeus is talking about and our own culture today. We are very busy, as I already mentioned, and we're also very drawn to the idea of fast and simple solutions. What's something we can grab quickly? I thought about this when I came across a book recently by the journalist Jesse Single. The book's called The Quick Fix, and it's all about how prone we are as a culture to accept trendy, faddish, simple psychological solutions to our many social ills, from things like racism to psychological resilience in soldiers to inequities in public education to the problems of urban crime. These are all very complex, very difficult problems. But as he shows in his book, we Americans have been very quick to look to whatever is the latest idea in social psychology as some kind of cure-all. Despite the fact, he says, that these faddish ideas have proven again and again to be false. Why do we do this? Because, Jesse Single says, because we don't want to think that our problems are difficult and complex and that they'll take time. We want an easy solution. We want what he calls the quick fix, and we want it now. And of course, that's not the only way our impatience takes form. We're also impatient with the people around us. We're impatient with how long it takes for them to do their job. Or we're impatient with how long it takes people to see things our way. We're even impatient in our spiritual lives. Think about it. How often do you think that if you could just find the right podcast to listen to, or just attend the right religious conference, or just read that one spiritual book, or just take up that one missing practice in your life that you need to take up, then, then if you could just do that thing, then you could finally become the, the self-controlled, the emotionally healthy, the, the spiritually well-balanced Christian that you've always wanted to be. And sometimes the truth is, in faith, as much as in anything else, we don't wanna wait. We want the quick fix because we're impatient. And the question is, how do we cultivate patience in our lives? And how does this, how does patience make us more like Jesus? Those are the questions I wanna focus on in this session. And I'd actually like to begin with the second of those two questions. What does patience have to do with Jesus? Patience isn't just a human virtue. You may not think this at first, but patience is actually a characteristic of God himself. In Exodus chapter 34, when Moses is on Mount Sinai, God hides him in a rock and he passes before him and he declares his name to Moses, which is really to say that he defines himself to him. God tells Moses who he is 
And this is what he says about himself. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Right there when God is describing himself to Moses, he says that he is slow to anger. Now, some English Bibles will translate this phrase slow to anger as long-suffering, or occasionally they'll use the word forbearance. But when the Hebrew Bible was being translated into Greek, the word that was used to translate this word slow to anger, it's the word makrothumos, patience. It's actually the exact same word that Paul uses in Galatians 5 when he's talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't the only time that the Bible refers to God as patient. The Psalms speak of God's patience. Prophets like Jeremiah and Jonah speak and even complain about God's patience. The New Testament also talks about God's patience. Take, for instance, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is patient. In fact, as the German theologian Karl Barth once said, all of God's activity toward us, his people, is an exercise in patience. God always and continually, Barth said, has time for us. And patience is also clear and on display in the life and ministry of Jesus. It's interesting. In the Nicene Creed, we say that it was for us and for our salvation that Jesus came and suffered on our behalf and that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. But it wasn't simply death that Jesus suffered for us. He also suffered time. That's really what patience means, you know. The word patient, it comes from the word to suffer. And patience is a form of suffering. Patience is the suffering, the endurance of time. And for us and our salvation, Jesus did just that. He was patient. He endured time. Just think about it. For 30 years before his ministry began in Galilee, Jesus lived a slow and obscure life in a backwater town, as a child, as an adolescent, and then as a young man. He suffered the passage of time and he waited for 30 years. That's almost 11,000 days. And then once he did finally begin his public ministry, he spent three years walking around Galilee, walking, not driving a car, not riding a horse, walking. The average walking pace is three miles per hour. That was the speed at which Jesus carried out his ministry. And it wasn't just the passage of time. It wasn't just the waiting that Jesus endured. He also endured the, the slow, plodding, uneven, incremental development of his disciples. How many times did they misunderstand him? How many times did he have to tell them the same thing again and again and again? And yet, Jesus never grew impatient. He didn't seek a quick fix. He suffered their slowness just as he suffered the slow passage of time under the heat of the Galilean sun. And he did all that, as we say in the creed, 
for us and for our salvation. He did it out of love. And the patience that we see in Jesus, that patience tells us something about the character of love and the character of God. As the Japanese theologian Kosuke Koyama puts it, love has its speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on at the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore, the speed the love of God walks. So there you go. Patience isn't just a virtue. Patience is at the center of Jesus's own life, and therefore at the center of God's very heart. The question for us is, how can we grow in this quality of Christ-likeness? How can we cultivate patience in our own lives today? Now, as always, our first response has to be to pray, because as with all of these virtues, Patience isn't something that we can acquire by our own effort. Patience is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And yet, as Paul tells the Ephesians in Ephesians 4 verse 2, patience is also something to which we are called. We must, in patience, he says, bear with one another in love. And of course, that all sounds well and good. But anyone who has spent any time in the church knows it is much easier said than done. It's not always easy to be patient with other Christians, not easy to bear with them in love. In fact, sometimes it seems that it's precisely the other people in the church who are the most infuriating, the most difficult to bear with. It's one of the reasons churches so often split, because Christians are difficult people to bear with. There's a joke that preachers like to tell. It says that once upon a time there was this guy on a desert island And finally, after years, a boat landed and he was rescued. And his rescuers were looking around the island and they were admiring his ingenuity and skill and staying alive. And they noticed that on top of this one hill, he had built three little huts, three little buildings. And what's that, they asked him. Well, the middle one, he said, that's my house. Well, what about the one on the right? Oh, well, that's my church. That's where I go to worship on Sundays. Well, what about the third hut, they asked him, on the left? Oh, that, the man said, that's where I used to go to church. Uh, Sadly, there's a ring of truth about that joke. We Christians have got quite the reputation for leaving a church whenever we get aggravated and just going and looking for another one. And, you know, that's understandable because, like I said, Christians can be difficult people to bear with. But that's part of the reason that God put us in the church in the first place to help us learn patience. Stanley Hauerwas, the American theologian, he talks about this in a little book of letters that he wrote to his godson, Lawrence, when Lawrence was a child. And in one of those letters, he's talking about patience. And he says, my point here is that you will be brought up in the church and you will be frustrated by the people who make up the church. You may even become as angry as I am with other Christians, but you must also be patient which means you must be as ready to forgive as to be forgiven. The community necessary to be the church takes time, time determined by patience. You'll be frustrated by the time it takes for people to be who God would have us to be. But remember that God has given us all the time in the world so that we might be patient with one another. That's also one of the reasons, as Stanley goes on to say later in that letter, 
It's one of the reasons that children are such a gift. Because children, he says, are God's gift to slow us down. And not just children. Hauerwas says that he himself as an elderly man, that he is a gift to others to slow them down, as are those who are mentally or physically impaired. You know, we sometimes think of these people as an inconvenience, as a burden. But in fact, for Christians, we have to recognize that they are a gift because they force us to slow down, to live at a three mile an hour pace. They are one of God's primary means of teaching us patience. And not just patience. In teaching us patience, they also teach us grace. You remember what I said about the church father Irenaeus? How he thought that the original sin was one of impatience and how impatience arises from receive, refusing to receive our lives and our time and one another as what it really is, as a gift. Well, in his screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis says something similar. He says that the impatience and the irritation we feel when we're interrupted, he says that impatience, it's a result of us believing a very powerful deception. We feel impatient and irritated because somehow we've convinced ourselves that our time is our own. But of course, Lewis goes on to say, this is patently absurd. Our time is not our own any more than our bodies or our talents are our own. Man, he says, can neither make nor retain one moment of time. It all comes to him by pure gift. He might as well regard the sun and moon as his chattels. And that's why the greatest thing that we can do to cultivate patience in our lives, it's not really to do anything at all. The greatest thing we can do to cultivate patience in our lives is simply to remind ourselves again and again, just as we do every Sunday when we gather together, that we are not our own makers, that our lives, that the people who populate them, that the moments we experience with them, that all of this, it's pure gift, that we are at the end of the day, not primarily agents, not primarily creatures who are defined by what we do and what we accomplish, but rather that we are first and foremost patients. We are those who exist not because we have acted, but because we have been acted upon. And when I was a child, I learned patience in the deer stand by learning how to wait. And as an adult, I'm learning that patience in the Christian life, it's not really that different. To be patient, I have to learn what it means not to act, but to wait and to watch, to wait on God as the psalmist says, to receive my life and my time as a gift. I still have a long way to go in the cultivation of patience. But thankfully, I know that God is walking alongside me, slowly, patiently, at three miles an hour. <laughs>